This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 169 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections, Draper Therapy, Fleeceworks, and Kentucky Performance Products. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. We've also got Glenn Hebert here, uh, our producer. Hey, guys. Good to see you again. Hey, Glenn. How are you? All right. Hey, Philip. What's going on? <laughs> oh, it's been a pretty good week. Beautiful weather, right? Is everybody having the same? Yes, we are. We we are having a, kind of an early fall, which is I'm sure it's going to get really hot here, but it has been beautiful. Well, you made up for some of those hundred degree days you had for a month in the middle of summer, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And thankfully, we went to a horse show last weekend, and it was great because a horse show in August in Kentucky, you're rolling the dice. Did Never you have knows. a bunch of students there. I did, and you know what? We had one of those weekends that was just great. Um, you know, I think uh, the longer I get in my career, the more I, I always uh, love those weekends. Uh, everybody got their scores. Everybody did well. The judging was excellent. The facility was great. The weather was great. Um, so it really was a, it was a fun weekend, and, and everybody came away with a smile, and the horses got lots of carrots. Well, that's good <laughs> to hear because, do, Philip, doesn't it always seem like when you're bringing a whole bunch, and I know it used to be this way when we worked with Pony Club and when we went to events with a lot of our students, is you always had that one that had the crappy day and it brought everybody down because you want everybody to do well and you had that one rider that just wasn't on that day and it just it kind of brought everybody down and it, that was kind of a bummer sometimes well it's a strange experience i mean i was uh we were also at a local mm-hmm. show this week i had 10 riders and you know it it kind of stops the celebration a little bit like people who maybe won their class or did really well don't want to kind of jump up and down in front of somebody that didn't have a great day and I think that's what it that's that's what happens but uh you know you just try and bring everybody up we can't all have a good day every time so yeah and you kind of gonna... feel bad for the ones that did have a good time because you're right they're kind of on pins and needles and they're trying yeah. not to offend their friend and exactly when they really yeah. want to just up and down uh, jump up and down and forget about the friend altogether is really what they want to do <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been on both ends of that yes we have right, yeah you know? so that's uh, why it was so unusual for everybody to have a great weekend, and there was none of that. You know, at the weekend, the show before, we had had a, a tough judge, and and so everyone came away with, with a funny feeling. But this time, we all celebrated. We went for a big dinner on Saturday night, and and it was it was great fun. So, do you guys sometimes think, as trainers at shows like this, and dealing with students, and especially students? I mean, students of any age, but teenagers especially. That you should that a requirement should be before you can start training in any kind of discipline or sport that you should have psychology classes because that's where you spend most of your time. I think every teenager needs psychology classes. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with horse showing or competing. It just is tough to be a teenager. <laughs> but I would I would totally agree with the fact that actually I've even thought about going to take some psychology classes because it is a huge part of what I do. Uh, and Philip, you too. And um, 
I had a sports psychologist uh, in 2009, 2010 through the USOC, and she was wonderful. And I do, I have, I have sent some students to sports psychologists. I think it, it is, it is something we should, we should dedicate a whole show to it because I think it's super important. And uh, but I think for trainers, uh, it's, it's, it's well, it's a good investment. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, we, we should spend a whole time uh, show on that sometime because it, it is part of what you deal with anytime you have students. If you're training and have students, you're dealing, you know, we always said that having a, a big farm, and we had 25, 30 horses at one point, that uh, you, the easy part was the horses. It's always the people that are the tough part. It is. And, and dressage is such a mental sport. You know, I typically well, you know, our rule is we don't we don't go to a horse show unless we can get a 60 percent at home or higher. So, um, you know, everybody can do it when they can go to the show. But you add in, you know, the the nerves and, you know, even just getting to the horse show and different clothes. And, you know, there's a lot of different factors that as you get further along in your career, it becomes less and less of an issue. But um, I, uh, it's, it's a huge part. It really is. And something that everybody has to work on. Well, this week, I think we're going to go into that a little bit, too. Uh, what goes into making the young horses uh, into champions? We are. And uh, Philip, this is actually how Philip and I met. We met at the Hassler. Uh, Hassel Dressage has a young uh, horse trainer symposium every year. And um, so this is a, a topic that Philip and I are both near and dear to our hearts. And uh, we have definitely some friends that are coming on to the show, and they're all um, wonderful riders and have had horses in the championships before. And, and we'll talk a little bit with them about um, how things change from four to five and six-year-olds. So we're covering the whole gamut here, four, five, and six-year-olds today. Yeah, well, I, I'm a big fan of the Young Horse Program and what goes on there, and uh, and I, I, you know, I think it is really important to give the, our young superstars a really good start and and to bring them bring them along correctly, and and this program, you know, really helps with this and gives a lot of guidelines in the tests and in the judging and and uh, and allows you to show off really nice horses that that are going to be great FEI horses that don't have to stay in the barn until they're seven and doing pre St. George or eight and nine doing Grand Prix. Now, I do have a question. This may be a dumb question, and I apologize in advance. Um, now, the, the Young Horse Championships, is this amateurs bringing the young horses, or are these all professionals bringing? Is it a combination of both? You know, it's, it's mostly professionals, okay. wouldn't you say, Philip? Um, in general, yeah. I mean, I don't know every single person that that shows in the young horse classes. When you get to the championships, I, I would assume that it's like ninety percent professionals. Yeah, and I think you know we talk a lot about trainers and at our, our young horse symposiums. It, you know, it has to be the right horse. It has to be the right situation. Um, you know, these horses have been put on a track from the time that they're three and get started. Uh, typically, most uh, most of them are in professional training. Uh, so they really go on the track to young horses and sometimes they don't make it as four-year-olds and they make it as five-year-olds and can't make the jump uh, to six-year-olds. The six-year-olds is a huge jump there. But, you know, most of the time it's it's professional riders and horses that have been, you know, kind of put on that track. Wouldn't you say, Philip? Yeah, I mean, I think even with the best superstar talent horses, you need the right guidance to get them to the right place and, you know, um, for for an amateur to do it, it can be very challenging. There's a lot of pitfalls and mistakes to make, and then all of a sudden you're missing your goal of doing the four-year-olds. And then, you know, 
you get a little bit stuck behind sometimes, and then you're not doing the four or the five or the six-year-olds. I mean, this is a program for super talent horses that that maybe will have a chance to go into the Olympics and maybe you know have a high performance career ahead of them, get sold to professionals. So I think it's I think it's important that that professionals are starting these horses and really getting them to the right places. Right, and and the other the other aspect is that in the judging in the four or five six year olds, um, there's open comment for the judges at the end of the test, and that can be really difficult for for an amateur to maybe hear some negative comments. Whereas, you know, as a professional, you're you, you have maybe a thicker skin to be able to deal with that. And in this program is not for every horse. Every horse, uh, you know, I my young horse, for example, he is six months younger. He was born in September. I didn't even think to take him to the four-year-old. It wasn't even in my frame of reference because uh, do I think he has the talent? Yes. Do, uh, you know, am I realistic in the fact that he is just too far behind these guys? I mean, he's just going to his first horse show for the weekend to hang out and not even being shown yet. Um, and, you know, as a breeder and a rider, of course I want to push him there. But, but there, there always is the time to sort of evaluate your horse. Um, and I always think it's important uh, if you think you have a nice young horse, get it to somebody that's either been to the finals or Scott Hassler is the young horse coach. He'll, he'll be honest with you and tell you if it's the right track for your horse. Um, you know, maybe my young horse will catch up as a five or a six year old. Maybe, maybe he won't catch up until we get to the developing horse. But, um, you know, I think it's really important to be very honest with yourself and, and see. So, uh, you know, these are wonderful, wonderful horses. And some have even represented the U.S. at uh, Verden at the Young Horse Championships in Europe. So, um, but that's that's also my advice I give people is not every horse makes it. And it's OK yeah, if your horse lots, doesn't yeah, make it. Yeah, there's lots of wonderful horses that don't fit into this kind of mold. It's just it's. It's just for certain horses, right? And certain horses and certain riders. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of professional riders that that don't do these classes as well. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean it's bad horses or bad riding, but uh, you know, if you do have a special horse and we have some people coming on that, you know, have these special horses and this was their plan and it seems to uh, be working out for them really well, it's awesome, right? Because like I said, you get a chance to bring out some wonderful horses at a little bit lower level and they get to compete against each other. You know, it's level playing field sort of thing. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look at those levels and, and what happens at the different ages with our guests coming up here. We have three of them, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, and Reese knows how, how, how much this means to me, is the Paralympic Games getting underway next week over in London. There are 70 horses riding in the dressage competition over there. And we at the Horse Radio Network have been huge sponsors of the Paralympians. We've we actually did a fundraiser for them before the WAG, and, and they've become our friends over the years here. And the American team has made it to London, and I think most of the horses have, have been arriving. So we're looking forward to supporting them and wishing uh, Missy Ranshausen and the whole gang a good luck over there. Rebecca Hart, who's a good friend of the Horse Radio Network, is riding and, and, and has a real good chance of doing well over there. Well, she's a good friend of ours, and we're so looking forward and crossing our fingers that she has a great uh, Olympic Games. So we can't wait to hear how they do. That we'll be reporting on that in the weeks to come. But first, let's take a let's take a break for Fleece Works, our friends with the uh, with the terrific fleece products, and then we'll be back with your first guest. Co 
Coach Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show, and I've been joined here by Judy McSwain from Fleeceworks, and I hear there are some fantastic things coming up in your dressage pad lineup. Tell me about it. We've made some changes to the line uh, for September. The first thing is, is we had launched the Therawool this year, and we put it out in the general pads. But by September, we'll have our Therawool in a dressage half pad which is pretty exciting. Wow, that's awesome. A little bit of a different price point and a little bit more washable. Uh, So I think that's pretty exciting. The second thing that we've done is in our sheepskin half pads with the rolled edge and without the rolled edge, we've taken our dressage size that we had and we've made them a bit bigger. And then because of the changes in the dressage saddles, I thought for a while that we were going to be able to do one pad and just there's such diversity in the saddles now we're going to have to do two sizes and the new size will be in in September. So we've got a dressage half pad with the rolled edge and without in a regular and in September we're also going to have the dressage half pad with the rolled edge and without in a large. That's something new for the company. Now are the Therawool going to be available in both sizes in addition to the sheepskin? Initially, we're going to do them in the large, mm-hmm. and then if we get enough demand, if people start to ask us to do smaller, then we'll do smaller. All right. So September, look for those Therawool half pads to be coming to your local tax shop. And if you don't see them, tell your local tax shop they need to ch- contact Judy ASAB. She can be found at fleeceworks.com. All of her contact information is right there, and she's a really nice lady. You should call her. Tonight we have Becky Noman from Noman Dressage on. She is riding the mare Whitney, and she's going to talk a little bit about uh, her journey to the four-year-old national finals. Becky, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And it sounds like you are you are at Lamplight right now and just got off of your horse. So thanks for joining yes. us. Yes, it's um, wonderful weather here. Um, we've had clear skies all day and, um, a nice breeze. Excellent. So Becky, you are riding a four-year-old in the national championship. Can you tell us all a little bit about the requirements of the four-year-old test? Um, yes. Um, the four-year-olds, um, you have to go to qualifying competitions. Um, they have them all over, um, the U.S. and all the different regions, um, You have a minimum score requirement, which is a 7.2, to get qualified. They actually will take the top 15 horses in the country, and it's all based on scores. Um, This year, many, many horses um, applied and competed um, to get a spot to come here. So it was a very... Good year, um, lots of great horses, and all the horses here this year are all fabulous. Becky, tell us a little bit about the test itself. What do you have to? What does a horse, a four-year-old horse, have to do to compete? Um, well, the four-year-olds are the tests do require um, some lengthenings in them and the trots. Um, the, the test does allow you to rise the trot on the four-year-olds. Um, they're actually national tests, so um, our federation writes the four-year-old tests um, for us. Um, we don't use the FDI four-year-old test. We use our national tests. Um, and not, it's not a test for every four-year-old out there. Um, it is 
it, it takes a special four-year-old. Not all four-year-olds have the balance. They need to do this test at four. Um, so it's one of those things that you can start trying to ride and compete and get qualified. And you might find that um, this test isn't for every four-year-old. Um, but for the special ones out there that it is for, it's a great test to do. Um, it really sets the horses up for a future, um, FEI future. Um, then you hope that they can go on and do the five-year-olds and the six-year-olds after they do the four-year-olds. So, Becky, tell us a little, about, a little bit about the horse that you brought to the finals. Um, I brought a horse. Her name is Whitney. She is owned by Betsy Kong. She's um, a lovely mare. She was bred by Jill Vonderhaar in Ohio. Um, she's about 16 one hands. Um, what's really unique about Whitney is that she is also ridden by her amateur owner. So Betsy has showed her this year as well. So she's been a very versatile horse. She's been able, she's been quite competitive um, in the four-year-olds. And she's also been competitive with her um, owner on her as well. So that's something a little unique for her. And she's been, she purchased her as a three-year-old. Um, she was very well started by Meg Williams, um, who is in Indiana and has Oakwood Farm. And um, so we've just been developing her, and she's really surprised us. Um, you know, you like to have an agenda for these horses, and you like to train them up, but, you know, when they're young like this, you sometimes don't know these things. But she's developed nicely, good in her balance and strength, and it's been a lot of fun. And can you tell us about the breed and maybe the bloodlines of this horse, if you know them? Um, yes, yeah, she's a Hanoverian. And she is by Meg Williams Stallion. Um, and she is by a Rose Spawn mare. And her name was Rosabella. Excellent. And, and Becky, did you ride in the preliminary test today? Today, no, we did not ride in the preliminary test. We decided to do a first level test. And we did that today. And she was a very good girl. She scored a 69%. And we were quite happy with her. And what led you to ride the first level test instead of maybe the, uh, the four-year-old test? Um, you know, I just didn't want to put that pressure there. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, I think I wanted her to stay relaxed and quiet and, um, and just enjoy herself and, um, and just kind of save her for Saturday for the championship ride. So, Becky, you get one shot with a, with a four-year-old, is that right? Or do you have another test that you can ride? No, there's one test. There's one test, and that is on Saturday. Can you tell us a little bit about the, um, the qualities of that horse that led you to, to take her towards the four-year-old, uh, the four-year-old path? Um, she, is, she has three really good gates. Um, got a super walk, a great trot, and a very good uphill canter. Um, she's quite balanced for her age, um, which is, you know, um, they're very challenged at four in their balance. Um, but she is, she's very, she's very good there. She's also um, very rideable. 
very rideable horse, very trainable, um, likes her work. Um, it actually has been quite easy for her. So um, it's been fun developing her, and, you know, not all of them are like that at this age, um, but she is, and she continues to do very well at it. So, Becky, what's your plans after, after the finals with, with the mayor? Well, uh, I think I'm going to have to talk to her owner about that <laughs> and see, um, you know, what her vision is for the future for her. Um, she is going to be the owner's horse to ride. So we will probably focus on um, making them, you know, more of a team together. Um, her owner has her own goals that she wants to achieve with her. She is taking her to regional championships. So she will be going to regionals with her owner and showing in training level championship class. So I'm sure she'll want to focus on that. And what kind of things have you been working on with the mayor maybe to, uh, to improve her in any ways or maybe some exercises that are, are good for a four-year-old horse that is, uh, that, is along, that is so good maybe that there's not a, none of, a, a lot of challenges? Right. Well, we work on, um, on all my young horses, not just her, but we, you know, um, really work on, again, balance, um, stretching, longitudinal stretching, lateral stretching, um, you know, we start leg yielding at this age, um, transition work. Um, and we have to, the biggest thing with the four-year-olds is managing them because they get tired. They get tired quickly. You go to a show, um, you have to really manage them. You have to watch them. You know, maybe you sign up for two classes, but you only do one, you know, depending on how they're feeling. Um, the one thing about the four-year-olds I work with, they like to take lots of naps during the day get their rest. Um, so really with the young horses, it's you try to have a plan, but a lot of times it's day-to-day, see how they're feeling. Um, of course, we work on getting them stronger. Um, but the biggest thing is just managing them and not overworking them, um, developing their muscles, not making them too tired. You're actually strengthening them, them. And that's just such a fine line, you know, with that strengthen them without making them tired and also preventing injury. And Becky, how do you do that when you travel? She, you know, she's had a big travel day. She didn't travel as far as some, but how do you, how does that affect you and her at the competition? So when we travel with the young ones, we um, like to get there. On the day we travel, we do not work them. On the day we travel, we let them rest. Um, so yesterday was her jog. Um, so she got to rest after she traveled. She did her jog yesterday, and then we worked her very lightly after the jog. Um, and then this morning, she um, she was, um, and it worked well, because this morning she was very peppy. She was very alive. She felt very good. Um, and we just did the one class today. So we'll probably just do the one class tomorrow, and then she'll ride her championship ride. And on a daily and maybe weekly basis at home, uh, how do you approach the training the, you know, with the duration and how many days a week maybe that you ride her? Right. She, she goes about five days a week. Um, she gets turned out. She gets turned out about every day. Um, when it did get hotter in the summertime, she didn't go out for as long. We try to get her out a little earlier because that, of course, makes them tired when they're out in the sun and it's hot. Um, we take her for hacks, um, and 
and it's her training is different because her ride, her owner is also riding her as well. So um, mostly her owner rides her, and then I may ride her a few days a week. Of course, the closer we got to championships, I kind of rode her a little bit more. Um, but basically, her owner does keep her in a work program. Well, Becky, everybody here at the Horse Radio Network, we wish you the best of luck this weekend. We can't wait to report on it next week. Um, and Becky, if we, we were looking to find you on the Internet, where could we find you? Um, you can find us at Um Also, we're on Facebook. And um, we are in Ohio. And... Um, all of our information is on our is on our website. Well, great. Thank you so much. And we will have our fingers crossed for you on Saturday. Well, we're going to be back with Debbie Hill next, talking about five-year-olds. But first, we have a word from Draper Therapies. I had an opportunity to speak with Kat from Draper earlier about an email we got from one of our listeners. So let's, let's take a listen. Well, hi, Kat from Draper Therapies. Uh, I heard that you got a very interesting email from one of our guy listeners to the Horse Radio Network. We absolutely did, and it was really exciting. I was going through our reviews earlier this morning, and I found a great review um, on our socks, and I would love to be able to share that with you guys. And this is on the human socks, the kind I wear. Absolutely. It's the one Glenn's are always touting, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, so this is from Robert Grantham, one of the listeners, and he had said, I heard about these on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. I work anywhere from 8 to 12 hours a day, mostly on my feet as a maintenance mechanic. I have tried many different types of socks to make my feet more comfortable, and to no avail, I decided to try the Draper socks I bought to take advantage of the Horse Radio Network discount. They arrived a week ago, and on the way to clean stalls, I put them on right there in my car at the post office. I instantly <laughs> could tell the difference. Each day I wore one pair and was amazed how much better my feet felt. At the end of three days, I washed all three pairs so I could wear them the next three days. I did force myself to wear an old pair today just to see how it felt. Well, I'm going to order more Draper socks soon, and once I have enough to get through a week without washing, I will dispose of my old socks. I'm also looking at trying the T-shirts and getting more products for my aging Arabian mares. Well, that's terrific. Cool. Well, that's, he must have heard me bragging about the socks on the morning show. I then. think that's what happened, so thanks, Glenn. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, they really do work. Everything he said is true, and once you, if you're on your feet all day, then you've got to have these things. Uh, and, and you do notice the difference. You know, I, it's interesting because he said the same thing I said, is once you wear them for a day or two, and then you go back and wear one of your regular old pairs of white socks, it just doesn't, they don't, they don't do anything, you know? So. Yeah. They don't have the, what I call the magic draper dust. They don't have the magic draper dust. Well, that's not correct, but it's funny how you call it that because it's true. There's something magical about them and fantastic. So we're really excited that you guys can all feel the benefits from them. Well, that's good. And he's a guy listener, of course. Well, one of the things, too, is all of us horse people, whether you're dressage or an eventer or you just trail ride, whatever it is, we all have dogs, and one of the things I've seen is some of our listeners starting to get on to the, the canine therapy dog bed, and one of the cool things is with our discount, you can get it shipped for free, and this is a big dog bed. It's a huge dog bed. Um, we actually, these are very special dog beds in that there's like almost a layer on the outside, so that layer is got turnout material on the bottom of it, so they're super durable, and then on the top you have the therapeutic um, fabric or the magic dust on top, 
And then you have the centerpiece, which is just canvas. So it's encasing all of the stuffing. So if you want to take the outside off to wash it and things like that, you can go right ahead and do that. I've seen people using these dog beds in their barns, and they hold up amazing for that purpose. But then on the inside, they have these great stuffing that, especially when it gets matted down, you can re-fluff it. But, like, the extra-large dog bed weighs 15 pounds. I mean, that's a lot. And when you get free shipping, it makes the deal so much sweeter. And these are terrific, especially for uh, dogs that have just maybe are recovering from an injury or they're arthritic older dogs. Uh, they're, spe- they're good for any dog, but especially when you have dogs that might have some kind of uh, had just had surgery or injuries because of the what I call the magic dust, because of the therapeutic <laughs> properties of the material. It really does help them just like the socks help human feet. Absolutely. And you can find those all at drapertherapies.com. And they do have the, the, the dog bed does come in, in different sizes. So you, you can find all of those different sizes right there on the website. And, and it's something you could really do for, your, for the special dog in your life. At drapertherapies.com, just look for canine products, the Draper Canine Therapy Dog Bed. And go to human products for the socks. You're going to love, love, love the socks. And now I'd like to introduce Debbie Hill from Alabama. She is riding two horses in the five-year-old national championships. Debbie, welcome to the Horse Radio Network. Thanks for coming on from Lamplight this week. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, Debbie, we'd love to start talking a little bit about what are the requirements for the five-year-old division at the national finals. Well, they introduced a collection. Um, there's mostly work engaged, but they want to see the horses are starting to collect. And um, medium canter, medium trot, and back to collection, so, you know, expandability and then collectability in the gates. And counter canter and simple changes from the canter to the walk and back to the canter. And uh, let's see, rain back and turn on the haunches. That's a lot of that good stuff. Yeah, I think, that's, yeah. I think that's pretty much it for the five-year-olds. Um, tell us about the two five-year-olds that you brought to the, to the horse show. Well, I've got a um, Bugatti horse. His name is uh, Boccaccio. He was bred up at Hilltop, and he's owned by Marcia Richardson, and she lives in Tennessee. And then I have Sir Sherlock, who is a Sir Donner Hall, and he is owned by Leslie Waterman, and she lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And they're both uh, very different types. (laughs) Yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, about your first one. Um, so Cacio is kind of a a little bit smaller, more refined type, uh, light on its feet, good hind leg, but not a big, beautiful, strong horse. And he was actually injured as a three-year-old in the pasture, and so he had about nine months off, and he's only been a little over a year back into training, which he was just green broke, so he has really impressed me and been able to come a long way fast. He's very smart and very trainable. Can you talk a little bit about the injury and how you brought him back and maybe as, you know, as specific as you want and, you know, what kind of exercises you were careful about? Sure. He, he was injured, like I said, it was just a pasture injury, and he had nearly nine months of stall rest and just hand walking. That was before he came to me. The injury was... It was actually up north. And then the owner sent him to a place in Tennessee where they, they did a rehab, a rehab center where they did a swimming him and, you know, treadmill, and it was great. So he came to me already a little bit ready to go back to work. 
And I just took it really slow, and the owner was, you know, interested in the young horse program and said, do you think he can do five-year-old? And my first answer was, he's four, and he's basically just broke, and I don't really see how he could do it. But he's very smart and, you know, light on his feet, handy. And he just, you know, I was just careful and worked on one thing at a time and careful not to repeat too many things or to put too much stress on the hind legs, you know, for long periods of time. And he's just, you know, come right along and done great. I'm real proud of him that he was able to make it here and do well today. Excellent. So you rode him today in the preliminary finals how, or, or preliminary test? How did that go? Um, it went well. Uh, all the scores were um, on the low side. I think everybody and, – and it was also – tight like the the whole field was close so um for example i think the first place horse had a 7.66 and we were in sixth place boccaccio and i were in sixth place with a 7.48 so it was really a little bit lower than we're used to at the championships but um but close scoring too so it kind of leaves it open Debbie, you want to talk a little bit about your other horse now and how he's yeah. uh, different from the first one and maybe how you approach the training of the two horses a little bit differently based on how different they are, maybe. Definitely. Um, Sherlock is a big, beautiful, handsome horse, but he's about 17 too, and, you know, a little bit gawky teenager type. So it's, he's not as handy, harder to manage around the more difficult um, maneuvers in the test, but has more natural power and presence for sure so he's one that you can kind of power up and show that end of it a little more but it's trickier to balance him around the tighter movements and the other one you can show off his collectability but um sherlock did great today too i was really pleased with him they were close as well sherlock ended up in um ninth place or eighth place excuse me with a 7.4 so like i said it was a tight deal especially like the top 11 or 12 so I'm, I'm pleased. I think we're in a, a fair enough position, and, and they were both well-behaved, and the atmosphere here is kind of busy and charged, and I was, I was really pleased with the both of them. Now, Debbie, maybe for our listeners, you could explain a little bit the difference between um, the young horse test and the regular dressage test, and why we talk about the score being you know, 7.4 instead of you know, in a 60-70% in a kind of thing. Right. Well, they, they score it differently. They just give you five marks, one for walk, one for trot, one for cancer, and one for um, submission, and one for general impression. And instead of giving it an 80% or a 70%, they just give us flat seven or an eight for each, you know, each of the five components. And they um, stress more the quality of movement and balance and training over the, um, you know, just being perfectly accurate with all of your movements. So, and, and the accuracy, of course, is important too, but not as important as, as the quality, I think, in, in some cases. So there is no rider mark? No, but uh, they definitely, in the general impression and submission, really in the gates too, they do um, comment on it, and um, they, they definitely make a comment if they feel like the horse is on the right training path, and presented in the way that they want to see it presented. And Debbie, how do the judges handle, you know, if it's a young horse, if they are play around a little bit, how does that work? 
Um, most of the time, they're pretty, especially with the four-year-olds, and a little less with the five-year-olds, and a little less with the six-year-olds. But they, they, and there's a lot of stallions here too, and of course, they play around a lot. They, they seem to be pretty flexible with that, as long as they don't feel like it's resistance to the rider and it's just playing around in the atmosphere. Um, if it happens, especially just one place or maybe two spots, but if it's they're prolonged and affecting their ability to do the movements, then they take it off more. And they mostly handle that in the submission category and a little bit in general impression as well. And at the end of each test, the, the judges, they comment on the, on the ride? Yes, it's um, public, you know, on the, on the PA or mic, and, and they, they talk about each of the five scores and the horse and sometimes strengths and weaknesses, and they give the score publicly. Do you so, find that difficult? A little bit. It's, it's nerve-wracking. You know, you, you hope they don't say anything negative. And, and, you know, they always have to give constructive criticism. So inevitably they're going to say something negative. But it's, it's, they try, I think, to, to lead with the positive for sure. And it's nice for the spectators and it's nice for us, even the people who are showing in it, when we're watching the other riders or the other age groups that we don't may not have a horse in. It's really it's really nice to watch the test and then hear exactly what they think right after and see what they're looking for and why they might do, you know, score something down or up. So Debbie, tell us what is the schedule for the rest of the week for you guys? Um, For us, we are just, you know, showing in a few open classes tomorrow. And then on Saturday, the final test, the finals for the five-year-olds will happen on Saturday and that will count for 60%. Today's preliminary test counts for uh, 40%. And what do you think is the most challenging um, part of, of the test for each horse? I think that the, um, the simple changes are a little bit different, difficult for each of them um, for different reasons, but they're, that's a hard part of that particular test. And um, Boccaccio, I call him Bo, he is a little bit of a more tense horse. So sometimes, you know, he wants to jig a little bit in the walk. And he has a great walk, so that's unfortunate when that happens a little bit. And Sherlock, keeping his balance and his medium trot is, is a little bit tricky for him. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Do you want to tell us where people can find you on the Internet? Sure. Um, I do have a website. It's just um, Debbie Hill Dressage. So, um, and I really appreciate you guys having me. It's been fun. And we're working our way up to six-year-olds with Ula Parker here in a minute. But first, this week's Product of the Week from Equestrian Collections. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collection's Product of the Week. This week we're featuring some new exciting breeches that we have in in stock right now for the plus-size rider. Equine Couture Plus-Size Coolmax Champion Side Zip. These breeches have a Euro seat. They have the CS2 bottoms, which is that silky uh, material that helps you get the boot, uh, your leg in the boot nice and smoothly. 
They, the fabric is 82% nylon, 12% Coolmax, and 6% Lycra. The most comfortable thing you can put on. They're perfect for summer riding. They're perfect for summer shows. And they're in stock right now. We have long and regular sizes, all the way from 36 up to 44. So this is just the perfect summer breach, and we can get it to you right away. Just uh, It's about $79. Wow, well, that's a terrific great price, price, Debbie. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, so that's the Equine Couture Coolmax Champion Side Zip. You can also shop in our 1824 store to find these breeches and many other products for the plus size rider. And of course, that's all at equestriancollections.com. Our next interview is with Ula Parker. She rides out of Cruciador Farms in Maryland. And she's riding a six-year-old in the championships. Hi, Ula. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Great. Uh, if we could start out by talking about the requirements for the FEI six-year-old test. Well, this is the first, you know, first time the horse is being introduced to, to flying changes and, and half passes and um, shoulder ends. And, of course, you know, they are going to require much more self-carriage and balance and have to be way more uphill. I mean, they have to be much, much stronger. And a lot of, a lot of horses, they're being, you know, they, they, they don't, they can't make it. You know, they, it's a big, huge step for, um, for the young horses. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is, is, the, is the changes. Uh, well, if you could just, um, how do you prepare and, and what kind of, what level with the, uh, with the other test, you know, the normal test, what kind of level is is the six-year-old test? Where would you put that in? Um, I have used third-level test one um, as like a prepare. You know, that that's the test arrived before I even go in in the in the six-year-old test, just to make sure because they have the, you know, they have the one flying change to each side and they have the half passes and the shoulder ends, and it, it's a really good test to introduce the six-year-olds. Um, I don't like like just throwing them into a six-year-old test and not because in a regular test you you know you can get away with a little bit more you know you don't have to put so much pressure on them as you do in the six-year-old test. So I use the third-level test one as a prepare just to prepare them. So Ula, talk and you you have been very successful with six-year-olds and 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 through the Young Horse Program you do a phenomenal job with your horses. So can you talk to us a little bit about you know the the jump from five to six-year-old and have you had horses that make that jump or not make that jump? How do you determine you know which horses to go ahead and take to the six-year-olds? Um. Well, I have actually not to 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 be as smarter as anything. I actually the ones I've had through the program. Uh, has actually all made it to the six-year-old. Um, but it all, you know, it, the most the biggest thing for me is the balance, the whole the whole balance um, with them. Because like, if you don't have a balance, there's no way you're going to be able to, to, to get them through this test. What uh, what kind of exercises do you put them through or that you maybe, you know, I'm building between the five-year-old year and the six-year-old year, what what kind of exercises are you doing that help them to learn? I mean, I, it's all about collection, right? And you know how do you how do you get them to collect? You know, basically that's that's the hardest thing I think in all horses. Well, I mean, if if I I, I start doing a little you know half steps with them, like to, you know from the ground, like teach them to sit a little bit, 
and 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 I do a ton of tempo changes. You know, coming back, going forward, coming back, and lots of transitions, just to you know keep them getting that hind end stronger and stronger. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough, you have hills. Use hills to, you know, to 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 strengthen that up. And then just ton of shoulder ends and half passes. Just keep building it, but make keep making sure it's fun for the horse too. That that's my biggest thing. I do not like to fry their brains in in a ring. So I use I ride a lot out in the field with mine. Um, and just pretty much you know ride them in big grass fields and just build them up that way. That's that's what I've done. Reese, do you have any experience with that? I mean, do you want to uh-huh. do you want to add anything there? Yeah, no, I, I agree with I would agree with Ula when it comes to the six year old test. It's it is a very very difficult test, and and I'm also in a in a place that we have great hills, and and we've talked about it before in the show. Um, you know, I think the hills are are a great thing, and and can really help. It also helps keep them fresh without uh, in the arena. Um, but Philip, what what do you do? What what are some things that you do for your class. I mean I think Ula really hit on a great point about you know transitions I mean it comes right down to the basics of being able to go forward and come back in good balance and and build the strength in that way but I think I you know going to another point it's all it's about good riding too I mean you can't make that transition yeah. from five to six if you don't know what you're doing right and exactly. and and I think you you really need a, a, a great rider that knows how to do that because if you're trying to do all that within one year, well, less than one year, because you're trying to get out to compete. It's, it's really, I mean, close to impossible. So I think, you know, sometimes it's not just about a horse with great ability, but a rider with, with a great idea how to make a plan and how not to, to fry the horses out, like Ula said. I mean, very, very, a lot of horses, you know, can do it physically, but, but very, very difficult mentally to, to make that next step. And sometimes they need an extra year or two. Right, and not to bring them out to the six-year-old, even if they were a great five-year-old. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. You see a lot. I mean, last year the championships, like the five-year-old class, was huge. I mean, I've never seen so much talent talent in one class, and there are maybe two, maybe three horses from the five. There was five here last year. That's here this year as a six-year-old, and that just gets to tell you. The, the big jump, I mean, the, the, the difficultness, you know, that, that comes with this step. Yeah. So, so, so talk to it. us about your horse there, Ula, about, uh, it's Biasca, right? Biscaya. Biscaya, sorry. Yeah, I always get Well, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, to begin, I broke her in as a, I think it was either a late three-year-old, a really early four-year-old. And then I, uh, I, I did like to do the four-year-olds with her. I tried to qualify her, but she was really immature in her mind. She was really nervous, and I just decided that it wasn't the right time for her to do it. So she was qualified for the championships, but decided not to go. And then um, I think I did Devon with her. I can't even remember that. I think I did Devon with her, and, and she did great. And then over the winter, we just Scott Hassler helped me, and we just got her stronger and more confident. And then I got a qualified to the championships um, as a five-year-old, and I did the selection trials, the East Coast selection trials with her, where she placed second. And then, um, and then she won in Devon last year, the Young Horse Championships there. And then um, 
we're here now. And she's, she is, she has the best temperament. She's the sweetest horse. It's really, really easy to, to work with. I mean, I have never worked with such a sweet horse before. And she just comes out with a great attitude every single time I get on her. Um, I really feel like her, and I want to get on her. I feel, I feel one with her. Like, I feel at home on her. So, Ula, talk to us a little bit about some challenges that you have had, you know, facing you through the, through the championships from the time she was four or five and six. What are some challenges that you've worked through? I had some, I had a big issue with the changes with her because she likes sometimes to drop her back. Like, she gets nervous, she gets up in her neck, and then she drops her back. And then it's hard to get the hind end, you know, to change. And it's, that has been the biggest challenge. And I wasn't even sure if I was going to do the selection trials with her until three days before everything clicked. We figured out what to do, and the changes have been there ever since. We had a big aha moment, both of us. Are you willing and to reveal was... your secret? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as you both know, I rode with Stefan Peters at the, at the symposium at Hasselis. And he helped me tremendously, and I sort of actually went back with some of the things he worked with me on. Like, I was gotten too, she got a little stiff to the right side for me. Like, she actually got locked on the right side. I'm like, this is not working, because I kept wanting to loosen up to the right side. And she was disconnected to the left side. So instead of focusing so much on getting that right side loose, I kept riding her up to the, le- to the left brain. And uh, that was our big revelation. That, that's what did it. And don't ask me why I never, you know, it just, I, I don't know. You, you guys know how it is with training, right? So you're like, why didn't I think about this, like, way before? <laughs> it's not yeah, always that obvious, yeah. <laughs> it isn't, and that's why I think the symposium, and we're, we are all actually friends from the Young Horse Symposium that happens every year at Hassler, um, and we all go and we talk about young horses and we work together, um, and, and really we've learned to, to kind of bounce things off of each other if we don't have, uh, you know, other help. And that's been really helpful. Uh, so we, we were there. Yeah, we were there watching Ula work <laughs> the changes and praying for her that she would figure it out. So to hear that you got the aha moment, was it, we saw it. It was awesome. We did. I mean, it was, it was so, I mean, and, and the, the great thing about it was everything else got so much better. I mean, this horse has one of the best hind legs I've ever seen. So I'm like, you know, I, I got to figure out how to get this to work. And it was just, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a big day of the day we figured it out. <laughs> Ula, where can we find you on, online? Well, we do have a website. It's crossyourdoorfarm.com. Um, that's the farm I work for. Um, and then we also have a, a Facebook page. It's also Cross Your Door Farm. Well, that was interesting, guys. I learned a lot today about the about the Young Horse series and and all the different levels. That that was very interesting. Interesting conversation with Ula there at the end too. And we have now our Kentucky Performance Products, our Supplement 101 session. If you remember last week, we talked about older horses who couldn't keep weight on. Well, this week we're going to talk about the older horses who are fatties and what to do about that. I've always I've never had the skinny older horses. I've always had the fat older horses. So. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that and what supplements best fit the fat older horse. (music) 
Hi, Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Karen from Kentucky Performance Products with a sensible supplementing tip of the week. And this is part two, talking about senior horses. Last week, we talked about the ones who can't keep weight on, and this week, we're talking about everybody's dream horse, the Easy Keeper. Now, sometimes that causes its own set of problems, which we're going to talk about today. Hi, Karen. Hi, Glenn. How are you today? Okay, so when we talk about easy keepers, we mean seniors that uh, don't have any trouble keeping weight on, and but yet that has its own set of issues, doesn't it? Well, it does, because, I mean, people call us all the time and go, my gosh, what am I going to feed this horse? He lives on air. You know, I We have one of those. <laughs> I know, you have one beaker. <laughs> yep. yep. And, and it's, just, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, again, like we talked about last time, it's so important for these older horses to have enough fiber in their diet. And, you know, how do you, if you have a 1,000-pound fat little quarter horse, you know, how do you feed them 20 pounds of hay a day? And, you know, you need to try to get at least 15 to 20 pounds of hay in them. And what most people do and what they've figured out is that you have to buy a lower-quality hay. Of course, with lower-quality hay, you have to worry about mold and dust and so on. So it's really important to find a source. Uh, of somebody that will give you a mature Timothy or or one of the other grass hays that doesn't have as much energy per pound in it uh, and get a good mature source and have that in front of your horse all the time so he has that long stem hay to chew. You know, many of these older horses, senior horses, uh, and and horses that are easy keepers cannot tolerate much grass, if any, at all. Um, so there's a couple of things, and also they can't tolerate a lot of grain. So right there you have you have some big holes in their diet, you know, because hay only has so many vitamins and minerals in it. And then, of course, the more mature hay, which is what you want to feed these guys because they don't need the energy, has even less vitamins and minerals in it. So the important thing to do is to find a good, balanced vitamin-mineral supplement that you can add to their diet. Um, some people are fortunate enough that they can get a uh, one of those, like, light feeds, and they can feed enough of that if you feed it at the recommended level that they tell you to, however many pounds that is, usually it's around five pounds a day, then your horse should be getting the complete complement of vitamins and minerals. But if you can't feed the recommended amount of concentrate, say if you're feeding half or if you're feeding you know, a handful of grain a day, then your horse is not getting the vitamins and minerals he needs. And you have to, you have to provide that. You have to fill that gap with a vitamin and mineral supplement. We would have that. Geez, if we fed Beaker five pounds a day, uh, <laughs> it would be, <laughs> be the size of a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a quarter horse that was like that too, and I was competing him. So you know, it was a real challenge to uh, to try to, to to get the vitamins and minerals, and he really needed it. And you know, when horse is just eating hay alone, you start to notice that their their coat starts to get dull, and you know, they just don't look very good. So if you can, if um, finding a good well-balanced vitamin and mineral supplement will really help. The other thing that's that's very, very important and is missing from a horse that's eating an all-forage diet, especially an all-hay diet, is natural vitamin E. And natural vitamin E, you know, the research is, is, is becoming more and more apparent through the research that horses really need this nutrient. It's an essential nutrient. Um, it would have been, been in their natural diet um, in the grass. Uh, it's an essential nutrient. They don't make it themselves, so you have to provide it for them. And if it's not there, then horses will have lots of problems. The vitamin E is an antioxidant that supports all the systems in the body, and if it's not there, then horses will have a lot of trouble. So it's important to give your horse 
uh, vitamin E supplement as well. Now we use uh, for Beaker, who's our our very easy keeper quarter horse. We use Microphase, which is a Kentucky Performance product. Yes, it is. And Microphase was developed um, specifically for that purpose. You know, I I was like, okay, what am I going to give this horse of mine that you know is can live on air? It also has natural vitamin E in it, Microphase, and it's very important to use natural vitamin E. Many um, feeds and supplements will use synthetic vitamin E, which is a petroleum-based product, and it is not absorbed as well in the horse as natural vitamin E, which is plant-based. The, the synthetic vitamin E has a much more complicated molecular structure, so it's not absorbed as well. So you want to look for a natural vitamin E when you're looking for a vitamin E supplement. And that's microphase. And you have a second one, too, that could be beneficial for the older Easy Keeper. We do. That's the Elevate Maintenance Powder. And that's a natural vitamin E. Um, and it's you, you just feed seven grams a day, which, you know, it's hard for people to, to relate to what a gram is. But it's this tiny little scoop. And you, one jar lasts 130 days. And you need to feed around 1,000 to 2,000 IUs of natural vitamin E a day to a horse that's on an all-forage diet. And it's just hanging out. You know, if they're exercising, you have to increase it more because as the horse exercises more, their antioxidant requirements go up. But for a horse that's just hanging up and doing, uh, hanging out, hanging up, hanging out and doing <laughs> light trail riding, just 1,000 to 2,000 IUs is sufficient. Terrific. Well, you can find out more about both of those products at Kentucky Performance Products. Their website is kppusa.com, and they have some terrific articles in there also under the Tips and Topics section. And we also encourage you to follow them on Facebook. Just search for Kentucky Performance Products because Karen is always putting all kinds of good information up there, too, about horse health and nutrition. And you can find it all, again, at kppusa.com. So thank you to Kentucky Performance Products for providing those helpful supplement tips as we go through down the road here. Hey, guys, I have a quick question for you. Now, where do the horses go from, young, from the young rider here uh, when they go into age seven? Is there another program after that? Where do they go from here? There is, Glenn. Actually, um, it's the Developing Horse Pre-St. George, and then they have the Developing Horse Grand Prix. So that's what we're going to focus on next week is kind of the next step on, on what, where these horses go, um, which I think it'll be, it'll be a, a neat transition to kind of see from the young horse all the way up to Grand Prix and to the high performance divisions. So these are all national finals um, through the U.S. Uh, Philip, you don't have these in Canada, do you? No, but I mean, we can, we can start the seven-year-olds in the pre-St. George and, you know, they can spend a couple of years there to, to get confirmed there and then, and then move on, you know, of course, to the, to the Grand Prix. Um, and again, just spend their time in the Grand Prix. You know, you, you don't expect a whole lot when you bring a horse um, to do those levels, in, you know, their first year. You just get them used to the tests and you can ride them through that. And then, and then they develop and get better um, with some time. But, uh, you know, lots of countries have great developing programs that the horses stay in the, in the right path towards uh, um, showing and, and getting better. Exactly. These are just, uh, you know, they're USCF programs. They're a way for riders to get involved with the high performance, uh, 
uh, part of USEF. Again, um, you know, we stressed it a lot today, but not every horse can do these programs. Um, and some can do some classes and, you know, get hurt or something and can't make it to the other ones. But uh, I think it'll be a, a fun to have a different group on next week to kind of talk about the more upper level type development for the horses. Can I ask, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but Reese, uh, what's the adoption rate been for this? In other words, when we get to the Grand Prix level and when we get to the higher levels, how many of those horses have come through these programs now uh, or how many of, you know, come in from the outside? Well, I think, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly. And, and I am pretty sure this is the first year or the second year for the Developing Horse Grand Prix. Okay. It, that's a very new program. Um, and I think, again, if you have a horse that's ready to go, um, it's worth doing it. Um, if you have the sponsors, it's a great program for owners. Uh, owners are very well celebrated in this program. And like Philip talked about earlier, these are programs developing horses for the Olympic Games and for the Am games. Um, it's very much a feeder system for for horses. So um, it, it is a it is a tough program. There's ranking lists. Um, you know, these are all mostly CDIs. You have to have two judges for all of these selection trials. So um, it, it's a tough program. But riders are really starting to adopt it again. It's it's being well received from the riders, um, and I think people want to want to be part of the programs. Uh, so I think they'll continue to be uh, you know more more popular as time evolves. So, Philip, I'm looking forward to our discussion next week, and you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook, just search for the Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is Maplecrest Farm KY, and my email is Reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Kentucky Performance Products, Fleeceworks, and Draper Therapies. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Hey, don't forget the morning show, Horses in the Morning. Gotta go with my plug-in. Horsesinthemorning.com. <laughs> and- Every okay. morning. 9 a.m. Every Eastern. morning. It's so fun. But everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to seeing and talking with you next week. 